Can I offer a hot take on Brent Burns? I uh, I don't really like looking at him. <laughs> it's true. He doesn't have that well-groomed exterior you're used to in your extremely elite offensive defenseman talents. Right, and I, I know he will suffer in comparison if you put him up next to the Norse god of dangles, but it's still not exactly the easiest guy on the eyes, if we're being honest. Brent Burns is having the type of season that, to this point, only Eric Carlson was known for. Only when Eric Carlson did it, Eric Carlson was beset by haters. To a great degree, I think Brent Burns is even more deficient defensively than Carlson is or was. When Eric Carlson plays out of his mind offensively, but, you know, people are sort of like, yes, but it's a one-dimensional game, uh, he gets penalized by the Norris voters. When Brent Burns does it, it's like it's his time. Similarly, when P.K. Subban wears a very colorful suit, he's drawing attention to himself, whereas when Brent Burns does it, he's just a wacky character. I don't know what it is about this white Canadian Anglophone man that hockey culture seems to respond to. United in red Remember Todd White Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask It's the Chet and Luke Podcast Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode pricing of the Chet Sellers and Luke Perisky podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined as always by a veteran locker room presence who's hated league-wide. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? Pleasure to be here. Do you love, love the, the show? show? Yes. <laughs> love to you, hear that. You know I do. I know, but I just like hearing it. I know. I don't say it enough. So, anything exciting happened in the world of the Ottawa Senators since we last did one of these? Well, the Ottawa Senators are a white-hot ball of red-hot hockey. Have you, have you seen these guys? Have you, have you watched a game lately? I have, and let me tell you, they're even winning back-to-backs on the road. Oh my gosh. Uh, Can there be any doubt that the Cup is coming to Ottawa this year? (laughs) So the Senators, I believe, have won five in a row since the the trade deadline, proving that for all the crap Pierre Dorian took on Twitter immediately following the trade deadline, he clearly knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, yeah. If I'm Pierre Dorian right now, I'm just getting a guy to follow me around with a nonstop soundtrack of Forgot About Dre. (laughs) (laughs) There is no people who know who I am. (laughs) There is no room that Pierre Dorian has not entered in the last two weeks uh, by a means other than moonwalking. (laughs) (laughs) That dude is wearing sunglasses on his sunglasses right now. You know how it how the the career progression has to go for Pierre Dorian, right? It starts out as before he became GM, he was considered like the the scouting guru within the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's the GM for whom everything he touches turns to gold. Next step, as far as I'm concerned, fashion icon. Can you just imagine? Um, you know, as soon as people start saying. Pierre Dorian really knows what he's doing. I want to be more like Pierre Dorian. I have to go out and get myself a baby blue plaid jacket. Yo, let us, let's talk about that Caddyshack ass jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that jacket is basically like he was going to start his press conference by saying, oh, somebody step on a duck. <laughs> That's how that's how Rodney Dangerfield ass jacket that was. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Yeah. Pierre Dorian fashion icon, which is good. We haven't really had one of those uh, in the organization, I dare say, since Corey Clouston and the Festival of Purple Shirts. That's probably true. I mean, Brian Murray, God love him, was not really a um, too snappy of a guy. He was pretty much the uh, charcoal suit and red tie every day of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Guy Boucher had a little run there for a while, but I feel like he's uh, he's dialed back the um, the sort of magician wardrobes that he was busting out in November <laughs> and December. Yeah, uh, once you went, once you got to like the black plush jacket over top of the turtleneck, <laughs> like I think I think that was peak Boucher wardrobe. Yeah, once he <laughs> there was got, nowhere to go but down after that. Once he got to the point where he was wearing like a satin blazer on top of a velour turtleneck, it was like, yeah. my man, you look like the inside of a coffin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a guy who gives you a card about being an amateur hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, just to segue, there's nothing amateur about the hypnosis that he's put on this team to make them winners. Damn, that was professional. You should be on radio. <laughs> yeah, but we blew it because now we've just talked about how professional we are. So <laughs> Self-awareness not yeah. allowed in media. The, the key to good radio is acting like you've been there before, uh, <laughs> which is basically how every color analyst does his job. So should we talk about the trades? I think we should do this thing where like, we kind of go back. Because we, we took some questions about, about the trade deadline at the time. I think we should go back listen to what we had to say then and then you know with five games under our belt we can kind of reassess those views and see if we've changed our mind at all right so i mean i don't want to uh i don't want to blow our own horns here but i do think we should probably go back to kind of what we predicted about the trade deadline uh just to oh i don't know see if some of it came true how does that sound i think we should do that all right all right ted from on you're on the air First of all, I think the Sens are out on Duchesne. I don't see it happening. I think the Sens are going to go for a real strong sandpaper type guy. Dog, I could not agree with you more. They've got Pajot. They've got enough. And it's not enough. It's not enough. They need more. When the ice gets small, they need guys who are not afraid to bang in front of the net. And I'll tell you what. I think they're going to be willing to give up a pretty good prospect to do it. I don't think they like this guy, Dahlin, they've got, the Swedish League. I don't think he's quite got the tools that they're looking for. What, some kid no, in Sweden? I, Never heard of him. What's he done? Don, Jonathan Dahlin, he's like... Never the, heard one of him. The, no, he's, he's like, he's a 19-year-old, but he's only in like the Swiss B-League or something. Sands are ready to part with him. They're going to go after a veteran sandpaper guy, and I think it's going to be Alex Burrows. You know what? I could not agree with you more. The playoff wars are going to start. You need a guy that has been there before. You need some of that veteran sandpaper. Producer Todd, play the sandpaper drop. Thank you, Producer Todd. We need a guy who's going to go into the corners and get dirty. And I'm talking about reaching down into the bottom of the shopping basket, picking up the eggs, scrambling them into a frittata. That's what we need. I think you're right. I think Burroughs is that guy. I never heard of this Dolan kid. I probably got uh, jackets older than him. But they're going to make that deal happen. Mark it. Okay, well, there you go. Looks like we called it. Jonathan Dolan for Alex Burroughs. The day that trade came down was extremely weird because we were just kind of like getting this like drip of rumors from the Vancouver side of things. And it was just kind of like Ottawa's making a trade with Vancouver. 
Ottawa is interested in Alex Burroughs. And you're like, oh, that's a weird choice. But, okay. you know, but it's, sure, it's I mean, the, the fourth round pick we'll give up for that is not really that big of a loss. So, yeah, I guess I'm OK with it. Are we trading Curtis Wazar for Alex Burroughs? That'd be fine. I'd be good with that. You know, Benning's the type of guy who would do that. And then <laughs> it's kind of like, OK, we're hearing that it's a young player, a forward. Wazar for Burroughs is in play. Someone not necessarily in uh, the NHL already. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe uh, Gabriel Gagne. Like I could, like he's kind of got a high ceiling, but you know he's kind of he's in the ECHL right now. He could use his trade of scenery. And then it, oh, it, the bombshell hits and it's Jonathan Dolan has been traded for Alex Burroughs. <laughs> oh, and we've signed Alex Burroughs for to a two year extension. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's there's two parts to that, right? Because on the one hand, I think my first reaction was to say, "Oh, great, we just signed like another guy to the Chris Phillips plus thirty five contract for two years and too much money, and we had to trade a prospect." for the right to do it. But looking back on it, and, and I say this as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm trying to ignore the fact that Alex Burroughs, since he, you know, has been healed by touching the hem of the system, has scored like four goals in five games or something like that. You can every now and then trade expected future value for present value. I get the sense that Pierre Dorian thinks he's dealing from a position of strength. Like, he's got White, he's got Shabbat, he's got Logan Brown, he's now got Philip Schlappick. So he probably figures, well, if this guy's our fifth best prospect, I'm willing to trade our fifth best prospect for immediate help now, if it's a year that is kind of wide open in terms of the Eastern Conference. So I wasn't sure that Alex Burroughs was going to be that guy, but so far he looks pretty good. I was I was heartbroken. I was I was just beside myself. I couldn't believe that Ottawa would make such an what I perceive to be such an unforced error. Kind of like Jakob Silverberg before him. All I knew about Jonathan Dolan was what I'd seen on like the highlight reel clips that were like longer than a Wagner opera. And so all, like all, everything I know about Jonathan Dolan is just him scoring insane goals at the at the age of like 19. So in my mind, Jonathan Dolan is a can't miss prospect. So I was like, oh, good. We just traded a prospect who I love for a player who I hate and also can't play. What a good move by all the Ottawa Senators. Well, yeah, that's fair. I mean, you do know you'll get some value out of Alex Burroughs over the next couple of years. I wouldn't characterize Dolan as a can't-miss prospect. You know, I think that he has slightly more value than the second-round pick that we obtained for Curtis Lazar, but mm -hmm. that pick is going to become the next Jonathan Dolan or whoever else. Or maybe it'll become the next Gabriel Gagne, and it'll be some guy playing in Wichita in two years. Like, it's hard to say. But I do think you can make the argument. I think Pierre Dorian looks at it and he says, look, cups are forever. If you can do something that marginally increases your chance of actually getting one, even if there is some expected future cost like it's a it's a risk but it's a i think it's a defensible risk now again i didn't think alex burroughs would be the guy you'd you'd take that risk for let alone sign him until he's you know basically as old as chris phillips is now but i get the thought process at least yeah ultimately i think how good the trade ends up being entirely hinges on whether or not alex burroughs can be a contributing player you know not just this year but next year and the year after and, you know, we're only five games in, but so far so good on that front. I, I don't think that Alex Burroughs is as slow as I thought he was going to be. And I think that as a guy who can play 
in the top six and the bottom six. He has a sort of versatility that, you know, maybe only Zach Smith has on the team right now. It probably won't be until the playoffs that people really start to take a view on that trade, positive or negative. Like, if there's a point in the first or second round, probably the second round, where Alex Burroughs does something really borderline inappropriate that involves Alex Galchenyuk and it results in a <laughs> senator's goal, um, I think he'll have a lot more fans in Ottawa. Even if he had done it for the Canucks and we'd be like, get that guy out of the league. This is not a garage league. Um, so and I do think that's part of the thought process as well. Yeah, Burroughs needs to go full Alfredson and like check not some cadre from behind into the boards and then score (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's funny because when he came back to ottawa or when they did the retirement ceremony anytime they run at the ctc a alfredson highlight package what gets the most cheers i mean you want to act like you're above garage league hockey you tell me every single alfredson montage what gets the most cheers uh is it um probably not (laughs) Yeah, it's probably not. That still fires people up years later. One thing I will say about Pierre Dorian's logic, though, on the Burroughs trade that I didn't like was when he kind of came out afterwards and he was defending the trade. He was well, not defending, but just explaining, I guess, because I guess he probably didn't think he had anything to defend. He said, well, you know, the guys in the room love it. Right. Like I had five guys come up to me and shake my hand and one player who I'm not going to name gave me a hug. And we can sit here and speculate about who that player is. But at the time, I was kind of like, come on, Pierre Dorian, these guys work for you. You don't work for them. You know, like you don't (laughs) let them run the asylum. You are the guy you're supposed to be Brad Pitt coming into the locker room with a bat, smashing the uh, soda machine or whatever it is and saying, you guys don't look like a winning club, but now you are a winning club. So get out there and win. In, right. He's not the guy who's going to go to the players and say, hey, who would you guys like to play with? Because that's who I'm going to get because I want us all to be friends like that is not the way you run a railroad in the National Hockey League. You know, rightly or wrongly, Pierre Dorian was getting pretty savagely roasted on <laughs> on the Internet following the trade. And then he kind of like came back and said, well, you know, a bunch of guys with high school diplomas like it. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. But the thing is, too, like, how can you say no? Any I mean, you know, Pierre Dorian is supposed to take a broader view than the players, right? Because Pierre Dorian actually does have to think about the future. Whereas if you ask any player in the room, hey, should we trade a guy who may may or may not be here in three years when you probably won't be for a player who might actually help out now who's going to say no to that like every single player knowing how short their careers are and knowing how difficult it is to win a cup in the moment will absolutely say yeah I don't care who this Dolan kid in Sweden is I'm never going to play with him trade him for somebody who can help us now but that shouldn't be the logic that Pierre Dorian relies on if he's making the decision the players congratulating you for trading a prospect that is might be a couple years years out for, you know, Alex Burroughs is in a way like your dog congratulating you for trading your car for a sandwich. Like from his, pers- <laughs> from his perspective, it's a great deal, right? It can only help. <laughs> But it's your job to take a broader view of the situation. It's, yeah, and I'm not saying Pierre Dorian didn't do that and still decide that it was worth it. Like, I mean, that's a valid position to take. I'm just saying if the players are the ones saying, hey, you should trade Jonathan Dolan, like, don't listen to the players. Listen to your heart, Pierre Dorian. Listen to your jacket. Again, it was extremely important that Alex Burroughs joined the Senators and then be not washed and so far he is extremely not washed and so i don't have any complaints 
yet. Well, and remember, Pierre Dorian used to be a scout, right? So, mm-hmm. which means two things. One, he he has seen Jonathan Dolan play the most of anybody in the NHL. So if he thinks that there's a reason why he's not going to develop into a superstar, if anybody's going to know that, it's going to be Pierre Dorian. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's true or not, but at least he, you know, says, well, for our fifth best prospect, the guy actually does have some holes in his game, and I'm willing to give him up for something that can help us now. The other thing is that, I mean, he has kind of had a decent eye this year for picking out guys who are just sort of not superstars by any means, but have skills that are undervalued or have traits that may make them a good fit for the system. Like, I mean, he traded a fifth round pick for Mike Condon and that saved the season. You know, Mm -hmm. like he went out and he said, hey, I know who we need. Tommy Wingles, right? He probably spent a fair bit of time looking at Alex Burroughs and saying there's something there that I think we can work with. Um, you know, and, and maybe he, maybe he knows more than you do. It's possible, right? There is a second interpretation of that, which I honestly think is a little closer to the truth though. And that is that Ottawa's bottom six depth this season was so bad that we could replace players with any other team's random third and fourth liners and the team would immediately improve noticeably. That is probably true. And I think you and I think you definitely see that now that Guy Boucher is actually rolling four lines. How big of a difference it makes! He doesn't have to try to you know make a boat of a, out of a pig's ear with like <laughs> Neil Lazar and Kelly on that. Uh, on that uh, bottom line. Right. And I mean, they've been able to weather the fact that, you know, now Kyle Turris is the third player with like a bruised or broken finger. I have no idea what's going on with the Senators' hands this year, but like, if they can get like the Zelda Titans mitt or something, they need that more than whatever cheap ass hockey gloves they're using because yeah, it's the not. Yeah, the Senators need to play in an era where you're allowed to wear gloves, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or like, every guy in the locker room should basically spend an hour pre-game like punching his hands into rice to like toughen them up the way like bruce lee did uh because oh, okay. I was like what are our, are our hands cell phones that we dropped in the toilet now <laughs> <laughs> because something is not something is not working there so get well soon kyle Turris. but you know they do have a little bit of depth and flexibility that they can play around with right now and if guys are banged up before the playoffs then they can rest a few and get some of them healthy and what i'm hoping is that as they kind of get into the tougher part of the schedule to end the year that they actually do rest some guys do drop a couple games that they could uh, potentially win just to make sure that they do not win the atlantic division yes because if they win the atlantic division they're probably going to have to play the rangers like yeah the rangers or something that's something i'd like to avoid Right. I would Um, rather play Boston than play the Rangers. The other reason not to win the Atlantic is if you go to the Canadian Tire Center, you'll notice they no longer hang the banners for division wins. They only hang the banner for the President's Trophy and the uh, Eastern Conference Championship in uh, 06-07. So once you're not going to hang up a banner for winning the Atlantic, why are you going to bother? I guess it's something to hang over the Habs head, but like, why do that when you can just beat them in the playoffs? Exactly. As a lower seed. Exactly. But we talked about the uh, the Alex Burroughs trade, but uh, there were a couple other trades that actually uh, uh, happened uh, at, on deadline day, and maybe we should uh, maybe we should go back and revisit those as well. Sure. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Randy from Arnprow, you're on the air. Oh yeah, I just uh, want to go back to that Duchesne deal. Uh, I know you guys think. 
think it's not going to happen, but uh, I was really thinking that uh, they need to get some scoring, and I think Matt Duchesne's the guy to do it. Baba Bowie. I just don't see it. I think the top six is pretty set right now. I don't see that, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian wants to mess with the obvious chemistry. Chemistry. I don't think you that, need another showboat scorer. We got Eric Carlson. There's not room for another. You don't want too much You don't need that skill. ego in the locker room. Carlson's mm. taken up enough as it is. What I think is going to happen is the Sens are going to make a move for uh, a real solid bottom six guy. Depth move. Depth move. Yeah, depth move. Depth move. Stahlberg in Carolina. Stahlberg, I like that team, move. Right? I like that yeah. move. Good, solid rental. He's Swedish, so, you know, he gets to eat meatballs with Carlson or whatever. Uh, they get to put those Swedes together. We get Carlson, get him a Swedish buddy. Maybe that'll shut him up. You can probably get him for third round pick, fourth round pick. Yeah, I'd do a third round for Stahlberg. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think he's got a lot to play for. Got his deal expiring. I think he's going to be out there trying to make those kroner. And you know he's a big body. Big body. Big body. Big body. Fast. All these things that, uh, you know, Guy Boucher loves. And he's a cup winner. You need that in the locker room. You need him yeah. in the locker room talking about how he won the cup. Knows how what it he, takes. Uh, how he uh, was on a line with Jonathan Taves. All right, call it in, Pierre. We'll be back. Yeah, so it turns out we were right, and they traded for Victor Stahlberg. How about that? Oh, that's that guy's name. Yeah, um, I, this I could year remember. was Alex Hemsky. Like, <laughs> Victor Stahlberg was kind of a weird pickup because it's not like he was really ripping it up in Carolina. Like I think his relative fancy stats weren't that good. It's not like he was scoring very much. But he had a lot of those things that uh, Pierre Dorian's looking for. Big fast over the age of 30 <laughs> and so oh my ears are burning <laughs> you know again is this good scouting by uh pierre dorian or was anyone better than curtis lazar by default i think that i think it might be a little column a a little column b and then a little column c i do think actually um he is buddies with carlson and it's always uh if you can get somebody that might actually contribute to the team and is a buddy of carlson's i mean you you make that move every day you put these guys from other teams into the system, blessings be upon it, you have to be extremely slow to get too far out of line. And so, you know, Victor Stahlberg already got a couple big goals. And this is the sort of, you know, bottom six depth that to this point we haven't really seen in Ottawa. I haven't heard anybody actually get upset about the Stahlberg deal. One, because it's kind of low risk, given that it's a third round pick. Like, that's exactly the kind of deadline deal you figure they're going to make. And that yeah, that's people like probably the most deadline it. deal of any deadline deal of in deadline history. Yeah, like, like that's a and, and in a way. Pick. It's even better than the the old Brian Murray trade deadline classic because it was a third instead of a second. They did I trade mean, a second-round pick. It just happened to be Jonathan Dolan. The reason why it wasn't a second-round pick is because at the time the Sens didn't have one. But right. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Which brings us to trade number three and the uh, second-round pick that uh, the Senators now have. What did we give up for that? Well, I'll tell you what they had to give up for that second-round pick. It's uh, sad to have to kind of cut bait after, you know, investing a couple of years. But uh, Mike Kostka going back to Calgary for that second-round pick. Very unfortunate. Thor is no more. For a guy who only had a few games in Ottawa, can't say that I have any particular Mike Kostka memories, other right. than, you know, the hope I had that I would see him at Dillinger's in Binghamton that one time. <laughs> um, and and just, to be, just to be perfectly clear, to balance that trade out and sort of, you know, provide a little depth on each side, the Flames threw in sort of seventh defenseman uh, Yerky Yokipaka, and uh, going back to Calgary is Curtis Lazar. Ah, uh, yes. 
Good luck in future endeavors, Curtis Wazar. <laughs> yeah, good um, luck. That is the ultimate good luck in future endeavors. Also, what's the deal with like Calgary taking every single one of Ottawa's cast-offs? They took Dave Cameron. <laughs> they Brian took, Elliott. Yeah, they took Brian Elliott. They took Alex, Alex Jason. Jason. Now they have Curtis Lazar. Like, what does the Senators organization have on Calgary that, you know, we can post a player on free and for sale and <laughs> Calgary's going to swoop in with a truck and take it back to their place? That's a very good question. I look forward to Andrew Hammond signing there as soon as possible. <laughs> that said, Curtis Lazar was a victim of a bit of a bad luck this season, depending on how you feel about how he may or may not have got mono. You can also look at Lazar and say, okay, he didn't develop the way people hoped. Um, he mm -hmm. wasn't the highest ceiling prospect, but I think people figured he'd be more than a one-point-a-year player. Um, but there's always, there was always something yeah. with the guy, right? Like, there was always a reason why he was rushed too soon, or, you know, there were coaching changes, or he got mono. Like, at a certain point, you actually do have to just do the job, right? Mm -hmm. Lovely kid, though. So, you know, we, uh, we wish him the best of luck in Calgary. Obviously, he's not actually playing in any games with the team. But I think, you know, at this time of year, it's just good to get a young guy like that up with the team to see what the push for the playoff atmosphere is kind of like. Get him used to the NHL environment. I think that will be, uh, I think really just observing at this stage in his career will be beneficial for Curtis Lazar. Oh, see, I thought you might have, when you were talking about bringing up young players to hang around with a team in the middle of an important playoff run, I thought you may have been referring to college white. I mean, you could certainly make that argument. The difference between Lazar and white is that Lazar's season is over and white still has something to play for. Curtis Lazar was kind of like the new Caspar's Dogovins for me, you know, like a player I like really loved who just wasn't very good. Well, but the thing about Curtis Lazar is that even if he's not going to be an NHL player, like that guy's not going to have a rough ride. Like he can go into business. He can, you know, have a bunch of Boston pizza franchises. He can become a realtor. He can be a color guy on TV like the outside of hockey. Like the sky really is the limit for Curtis Lazar. So I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will land on his feet, whatever he decides to do. I don't even think that Curtis Lazar as a broadcaster would necessarily um, specialize in hockey. Like I can, like I think Curtis Lazar would be an incredibly good curling broadcaster. Oh, I could see him calling the Briar in a second. Absolutely, right? Can you Curtis see him Lazar out there with Mike Rutter. Harris? Oh yeah, Curtis Lazar calling the Briar and somehow figuring out a way to explain how the positioning of the rocks and and where they're trying to get on every shot is somehow related to the World Juniors. Uh, he curled it around that guard just like a Connor McDavid Codre, <laughs> who I played with once, by the way. By the way. Well, folks, there you have it. Trade deadline. So far, so good. Ottawa Senators on fuego. Get excited. Uh, the playoffs may be coming to town. Catch you later. And good system to you all. Good, good system to you. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. For a couple of fowlers who both still live with their moms Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on No other podcast was finer Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners We never thought they'd make it past episode 5 Whoa, somehow these dudes named Shed and Paris are alive Whoa, whoa, whoa Okay, so um, what'll happen is like I'll have some kind of like I won't do the kazoo again, but I'll have some kind of sound. No, the people want kazoo. No, the people do not want kazoo. Uh... <laughs>